Here on What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840 KXNT. That means our good friend back from his travels, John Curtis. Yeah. In the studio with us. No Ash today. She is on on special assignment. But Shall uh, I make my joke that it's no longer What's Right with Sam and Ash? It's What's Wrong with Sam and John? <laughs> yeah. We need to get that uh, I got trademarked some, right away. I got some liberal democratic friends who who would uh, would say that should be the actual title. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. You've been following this up uh, and not to get into too much of this thing with Elon Musk. Fascinating stuff uh that he's on Twitter? Uh, yeah. Twitter and yeah. uh, I know you are a major Twitter er. I've kind of I've kind of shortened that to twit. To tweet of a twit. Well, you know, I was on like like everybody of like boomers. I got on all of these platforms around two thousand eight and nine. I think uh, Facebook oh eight, uh, Twitter in two thousand nine. But I've gotten fed up with Facebook. I just it's just a bunch of old sad boomers, you know, arguing about COVID and you know showing pictures of their dogs and cats. So I, I, I'm, I'm I'm I still sort of uh, uh, link the things on my Facebook page uh, once in a while. But the idea of posting on Facebook regular, it's just it's just become a sad platform. Twitter to me is kind of where it's at, really is. More it's more interesting. And and it's very funny. There's there's great people to follow. It's informative. You can use it as a news feed. And if you want to go all, you know, get all medieval on people's butts about whatever your bone you're picking that day politically, you can. I prefer to use it more as a news feed and and it's fun to keep up with people, you know, what what they're doing and what they're thinking. Yeah, I guess because we've been talking about it all week week here and i i i am asking you because you're a regular user and you're a non generally a non-political user that's correct yeah. right so for you the the platform i think works very well because nobody from twitter is censoring you because of your opinion on a particular dish yeah if I, right? if I hate somebody's you know beef ribs you know no one else we're shutting you down curtis you said they were overcooked you know no yeah i use it because i'm one of the few uh, there's not a lot of food people on Twitter, so I use it as a platform for my food stuff. Just as kind of link, hey, here's where I'm eating, and you know, here's what I've placed on my website, an article I've written, or whatever. Or if I find a cool ed- something about Vegas that I think is fun to read. So yeah, I, I don't get in in that deep in those political weeds like some people do. What, what I'm where I'm getting with it is, I think that for you, it works exactly the way it should, in uh. that there is a free exchange ide- uh, of ideas yeah. about food. Right. Which is, of course, much less controversial than Trump. Yeah. Or, for or, example. Or COVID. Or, or you know, COVID. Or, or, or critical race theory or whatever your, you know, whatever your uh, 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 issue du jour happens to be. And in that sense, again, just evaluating it as a business deal, Twitter is a, a great platform. Yeah. And yeah. It, the, the problem, and this is my opinion here, but the problem always has been that there have been all these efforts to Deter, to, to have Twitter police content of speech has has created an environment where less people want to use it for that. Yeah, and and in that sense, then it, it loses its desirability. So I think the idea of of somebody coming along, uh, you know, whether it's Musk or somebody else, but it basically cleaning it up and allowing a free exchange of ideas and letting bad ideas out in the Twitter sphere yeah. and letting them fail. 
and letting them letting them be right. shot down, letting people argue with each other about them. But that free exchange, of course, being vital to democracy and being being uh, important for society. Let, 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 let all the Russian bots they want come in and, and show, you know, Democrats eating babies and running pornographic rings out of pizza parlors. OK, if that's if you know, do it, you know, the cure for that isn't shutting down. It's more sunlight, sunlight being the best disinfectant. And yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. I mean, the biggest thing you'll find me getting up, uh, mad at people about is their lust for chicken parm. Okay, we, we, we you do always have, get so upset with people. Oh, when they, chicken parm! When they Don't get post me started. Pictures of chicken parm, which is an authentic uh, Italian dish. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I'm an I'm an authentic Peking duck uh, 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 inventor. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's just gooey cheese on a on a on a bland chicken bread. It's so American. It's such a terrible dish the the dna of a chicken parm is so revolting to me that the fact that it's so popular makes it even worse okay so speaking of revolting you went to washington dc hey hey come on (laughs) (laughs) our nation's capital you went to the swamp i went to the swamp yeah and it turns out that they eat pretty well there. Oh, oh they, they do. I mean, they, they're, they're, Washington, D.C. Now, you remember, I lived in D.C. back in the 70s. I was an intern for a senator back then, a Republican senator, conservative Republican, who's now long gone. And uh, so I'm very well acquainted with Washington, D.C. and its food scene. And, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was all French restaurants and kind of, you know, diners and stuff. But it's had a renaissance over the last 20, 25 years. And there are great places to eat in Washington. They have Penn Quarter, uh, Adams Morgan, uh, neighborhoods which were like considered shooting galleries or the province of prostitutes and drug dealers back in the day have now been gentrified. And, well, you can find good food all over D.C. You ate kind of it looked like a broad range of restaurants from super high end to neighborhood joints. What what surprised you, I guess, in in all of this? And is it worth making a food trip just oh, for oh, DC? Oh yes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's well one of one of our local favorites, Jose Andres, which you know has a panoply of restaurants here in Las Vegas, and it's going to open some new ones. We'll get to later in the show. I've got the skinny on new Jose Andres restaurants coming. Uh, yeah, he's got he kind of owns Penn Quarter down there. He's got Bar Mini, the original Haleo. Uh, China Quilcano, which is a Peruvian Mexican restaurant, which just blew me away, and Zaytina, which is a his Mediterranean take on like Lebanese, Greek, Syrian food, Turkish food, wow. just delicious. And you can walk among them just like you can walk around downtown the Arts District down here. I mean, they, they are literally just like three blocks away from each other. So it is. So Jose Andres, if you go there, you've got to go to his places, and then the high end seafood by another. Las Vegas vet Fabio Trabocchi, who was for a hot minute a chef here at the MGM, he pretty much owns Italian food in in, in Washington D.C. So I hit three of his restaurants, four of Jose Andres, and then I still had uh, time to go to a few others. What they don't have in D.C. oddly is great independently owned steakhouses, and they don't have super high end fancy restaurants. Not like our our Joel Robichon, Savoie, Le Cirque. Those you know, super formal kind of, they don't have that. It's kind of, but there's a lot of power broker places like uh, Capitol Grill, believe it or not, is a big power. I got to sit right next to Ted Cruz's booth at Capitol Grill and hear all kinds of Ted Cruz stories. <laughs> and Capitol Grill being the, the chain of restaurants. Yeah. We have one over here at Yeah, but uh, it, it's fashion. a bigger deal. Yeah. It's, it's right near Capitol Hill, and uh, it gets a lot of Republican lawmakers. And the manager told me, 
He likes the Republicans. Do you know why he likes Republicans? They tip more. Exactly. Exactly. They this tip is a the, lot more. By the way, this is the old story about, yeah. uh, you know, you compare the two. Speaking of tipping, yeah. uh, Rush Limbaugh uh, yeah. was a notoriously terrific tipper. Yeah. He would lay down five grand, no matter what the bill was yeah, at he dinner, just, yeah. he would just add five grand to the bill. Yeah. If you compare that to uh, Stern, Right, Stern is a Howard. Tor- Howard Stern is such a cheapskate. Yeah, his tips are as small as his uh, uh, <laughs> <No>. dingle dongle. <laughs> He's the one who talks about his dingle dongle all the time. How small it is. So that that just was a great analogy. Sorry, sorry. No, but that's yeah, that's true. That's a fact. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, but to his credit, Stern will probably joke about what a cheapskate he is too. Okay, you know, I mean. Stern at least has a sense of humor about it. But the, the, the Capitol Hill guys made a lot of jokes about Democrats come in like uh, Congress people and their staff and senators, and they all order the same thing every time and iced teas. He goes, the Republican guys come in with the staffs and the lobbyists, and they're just throwing down with cocktails, bottles of wine, laying down hundreds for the staff. It was pretty funny. You know, I, I got a big laugh. And he goes, what are you, Mr. Curtis? I said, well, I'm kind of a Democrat, but I, I tip like a Republican. <laughs> We're going to add that to yeah. your, uh, your, yeah. your byline here yeah. for the show. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I don't a, want to brag he, about my tipping, but, but no one's uh, ever going to accuse me of being a He uh, may be a Democrat, but he tips like, like a, Republican. a Republican. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> to my there, wife's chagrin. There, there <laughs> used to be, and I don't know if it's still there, right by the White House was a power lunch and power dinner spot. Was it the old Ebbett Grill? Yeah, it's still there. It's still, still there, there, and it is still fabulous. Has the And the old Ebbett's Grill is very much like an old-timey uh, New York uh, East Coast steakhouse, and great oysters, great local seafood, uh, usually packed with tourists and uh, politicians. So uh, you have to get there at the, at the off times. So I go there late at night for oysters, but I, I don't go there during peak I time. think if somebody's going to the Capitol, doing the Washington, D.C. tour, getting through all the barricades that the Biden administration has set up now uh, to protect them from those evil Wesley Republicans. But anyway, putting all There are a lot of, yeah, yeah. Lot around the White House. It's barricades. Kind of, it's kind of gross, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But getting, th- if someday when all those are down, if you do visit and, you're, and you have a little bit of money, the old Ebbett Grill, the, the atmosphere, the D.C. atmosphere in that restaurant is oh, yeah. a 10 out of 10. Right, and, and, and lunchtime during the week when all you, – you'll see famous politicians in there a Absolutely. lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the booths are all kind of velvet upholstered yeah, and, and dark, dark, dark wood. and leather and everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. very old school. But, but the, uh, uh, pro tip, pro insider tip, uh, after like 9 o'clock at night, they, they do all kinds of specials there on their oysters, their steaks, even the – it's almost like – you know they have happy hour menus here? They have like late night specials there, and uh, that's actually the time to go to the old Emmett's Grill if you're in DC. Beautiful. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, um, I want to. We've got some things to talk about here with food in in Vegas. Uh, I also, uh, you were asking me a little bit about my my travel. Yeah, I want to hear um, all about Czechlo. Is it? Were you in Slovakia or nope. the Czech Republic? No, I was in the on the Czech side. On the Czech side, the you, Czech Republic or you, Czechia, as they they're Czechia. rebranding themselves Czechia. as Czechia, which I detest. That I name. think I should talk to you and ask questions in English, and you answer me in Czech. Let's see how fast we lose our audience. Uh, uh, perfect. Great. Uh, now's the time to turn the dial, uh, okay. if you haven't already. What's right with Sam and Ash? we got John Curtis, our favorite food critic uh, here from Las Vegas. He may be a Democrat. 
tips like a Republican. <laughs> Back after this. Salmon Ash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Salmon Ash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or SalmonAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. What's right with Sam and Ash here on Friday? Uh, what we do every Friday is talk food, take a break from politics, even though, John, you and I, we yeah, we talked a little bit about politics. We talked a little segment. bit yeah, about politics, but, but you know, I prefer that's to wor- <laughs> think about where I'm going to eat next rather than how I'm going to vote. Well, this is what you get for going on a food trip to D.C. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, it brought out some of, those, some of those thoughts, but nonetheless, yeah. glad you had a great time and enjoyed it, and uh, I'm glad you also came back. You came back... I was going to ask you about this. You came back the same day that I did for my yeah. trip. And oh. it, <laughs> you, you, did Monday you, night? Yeah, that Jeez. dust storm. So I landed. Let me paint a picture for you here. So I'm flying. I flew from Prague uh, to Frankfurt, Germany. It's the major hub airport for Lufthansa. Yeah. And then, f- f- then flew uh, Lufthansa over from uh, Frankfurt to directly to McCarran. It's a great connection, a great flight, very easy. We're flying. The entire flight is unremarkable, right? Which is how you want flying to be. And it's you, yeah. you got about eleven hours in the air there, right? and you're yeah, you're ten yeah. and a half, eleven hours. Yeah. So we're flying. We come. You come from. You go all the way north yeah. up to Canada over kind of Hudson Bay. You come all yeah. the way down. You're flying down through Utah. Beautiful. You get we to see, see Greenland on that flight. Yes, you can you actually do. see the southern tip of Greenland, which I think is very cool. It's stunning. Yeah. yeah. So you come down. And we're we're starting to lose out out to come down and, and it's beautiful and you can see all the red rocks of St. George. Then we come over the Hoover Dam. You can see the Hoover Dam is beautiful. Yeah. Everything was great. Yeah. yeah. And we start hitting the greater metropolitan area of yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was that was the day. Monday was the dust storm day and it looked apocalyptic. Yeah, that's what uh, what time did you land? Well, I only, it was about 3.30, 3.45. Oh, I was a few hours later than you. But yeah. the plane began to shake. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was not a small plane, and it was one of those big Airbuses, and yeah. it was shaking and yeah. flapping around. The dude in front of me right. tossed his cookies. Oh, he did? He literally pulled out. I didn't even know they still had air They still bags. have the little puke bags. He they pulled didn't out use, the little yeah. puke, bag, puke bag, and he, he had to use it. It was maybe, um, maybe out of terror as much as, uh, you know, <laughs> nausea, okay? Yeah, it was, it was but this nasty. But this was in the life of Amelia Earhart type yeah, landing. Yeah, I, we were, yeah. we, our wings were going back and forth. And, and you're dropping, and, and yeah. the plane will suddenly, like, drop, like, like 50 feet in, like, like a millisecond. And you're just like, and, you know, and, and the pilot, you're figuring the pilot, I don't know, what's the pilot doing up there? So, you know, or is his eyes as big as you know, saucers? Or is he just going, eh, another windy landing, no big deal. I don't know. I, I think they're all, all pretty used to and trained for it, but I but all the Germans, my favorite, all these people on the plane yeah. are all Germans going on vacation to yeah. Vegas, and so, they're looking out the window going, was ist das? Was ist das? Yeah. What is this? Like, or they're, where is where is Vegas? It was so bad. You, you couldn't could, even see like the stratosphere. You couldn't tower? see the, you, the, oh, wow. the strat was you couldn't see at all. And uh, and as far as like the nearer strip right. that's closer to the airport, like you know yeah. Luxor and that kind of thing, right. was just kind of faintly visible. Yeah. Well, my I I, I did a connection back from D.C. through uh, watch, uh, Chicago, and uh, <clears throat> when I was I called my wife on the way uh, at, at during the layover, and she goes, "I don't think you're going to be able to land." 
And this was about a few hours later than you did. And I said, oh, honey, come on, they land these planes. I don't hear anything. Everything says on time, on time, on time. She goes, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe that. Right. You can't see in front of your face. The dust is so bad. The dust is so bad. And uh, so I, I scoffed at my wife. Big mistake because I was like, you know, praying to, uh, you know, whichever deity was coming into my head that moment when we were landing. Because <laughs> this, this 737, a much smaller plane, is going side to side. And I go, how are they going to bring this thing down on all three wheels at one time? Because it's being buffeted side to side. And, uh, yeah, I was. there were people that were like, uh, you could tell they were super, super upset. It didn't last long, but it was it was very scary. And, I, and I'm and i an old airline uh, hand, just like you are. I mean, I've been in a lot of airplanes, but this was one of the – one of the uh, scarier landings well, I, ever. I, I fly, you know, I fly almost, I'll say every other week I fly yeah. out of McCarran. Uh, yeah. Harry Reid, excuse me. And I fly, and so I'm I'm not new to windy landings. Because, of course, we have a and, lot of windy. And D.C. Here. has a lot. I mean, no, Vegas in the summertime yeah. has a lot yeah. of them, yeah. 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 Well, let me ask you the important question. All the Germans uh, on the plane, to, or, had you ever seen that many black socks and sandals before in your life? <laughs> okay. I think that's. I think that's changing, oh, although on my way over, there were a couple of very nice German girls that were dressed head-to-toe in Hogwarts gear, oh, and they were getting on board the plane. I thought that was something spectacular, okay. and they were they were not little, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so oh, they were wearing the robes and everything, and they were getting on the airplane. <laughs> I, thought, sure. I, thought, I thought, well, the broomstick parking's over there. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, and but, those, uh, those, those are Germans. Those, those uh, you know, the Aryan nation there, they're, they are stout <laughs> fellows, okay? <laughs> well, now that not, we're, hold on now. Now this is, this is a common theme, by the way. So I just yeah. got back from Europe. I was in the Czech Republic. And it's, a, it's everyone in Europe wants to talk to me as their American friend, relative, right. and whatnot about the, the straight scoop on obesity in this country. They want to talk well, about it. They should, it. and we should. You know, and, and the the thing that they 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 all of them are shocked when they come to the U.S. and how fat people are, and how fat we are. Oh yeah, it's it's disgusting. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I no, no, no. And I I always say I tell them the two, there's two factors in it. One, the food is different in Europe, and it's, I want to talk to you about that. It's, it's better for you. It's better for you. It's yeah. more natural. There's less processed yeah. crap in it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the other component of it is the exercise. Because when I was in, I, I was yeah. living, I li was in Prague a week, and then I was in the other week. I was kind of traveling around, but the week that I was in Prague, I I easily walked a total of sixty miles. I mean, yeah. for that week, oh, easily, yeah, yeah. easily. Um, and so, even though I was eating my way through town, yes, yeah, uh, and I, by the it. way, I had some some tremendous food. I, I you don't feel it because you're constantly your whole life revolves around motion. Well, Europe. I mean, I, I've never lived in rural Europe, although I've traveled through the French and Italian and German countryside a lot. But all the cities are walkable cities. I mean, they're 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 made at human scale. America. I mean, this goes back to post World War II when we sold our soul to the to the uh, to suburbia. And the automobile. And we took everybody yeah. away from the urban core and said, no, you don't want to live near the grungy downtown with all those all those poor people or what have you. Well, you want to live like 12 miles outside of downtown, you know, where, where it's pastoral and great. Well, you what you're doing is saying everyone's just going to drive in their car everywhere. People don't walk anywhere. Look, I mean, even Summerlin, uh, an area of town I don't, I'm a little, I've been very disdainful of my whole life. <laughs> I mean, they have beautiful walking paths, every, but there's no place to walk to. 
to which to walk, to be grammatically correct. Oh, you know, giant, beautiful tree line. Why? I, I mean, I, I go to Summerlin to get, go to my dentist. I want to walk down to get a bagel at Life's a Bagel. Great bagels, by the way, in Summerlin. Well, you know what it is? It's a mile and a half walk through just concrete crap to go from my dental <laughs> place to go to the little Smith's uh, place where, where, where my bagel place is. And you're not looking at anything but, but concrete and, and, and sidewalks and traffic. There's nothing walkable about Summerlin. It's disgusting. Prague, I've never been to Prague, but I've been, a, I've been to many European cities. They encourage people to walk to where you're going, whether it's to pick up your dry cleaning or to get a quick bite to eat or something. So, yeah, we are disgusted, disgusting here because we don't walk enough. <laughs> I love this. I promise, folks, we're going to talk about food when we come back. Oh, yeah. uh, we're coming up to the bottom of the hour. Got to not take critical, a, Not critical race theory? <laughs> no, we'll pass on that today. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but we when we go back, I do want to uh, want to talk about food here. I know you've got some uh, – I see a list. I like this. <sighs> Very excited. Um, perfect. Well, we're here with John Curtis. No ash today, but we're talking food as we always do with our resident food critic, the curmudgeon at law himself. We'll be back right now. After this, comfortable and confident is how Sam and Ash injury law clients feel after the very first call. Comfortable knowing they have decades of personal injury experience. Confident there's reputation and trust to resolve cases and to do what's right. Sam and Ash injury law offers platinum legal service to anyone who contacts them. Quality matters. Integrity matters. Who you hire to protect and represent you matters. If you've been hurt in an accident, choose Sam and Ash injury law. 702-820-1234 or SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right what's right with sam and ash news talk 840 kxnt in studio with me because we do not have ash today here conspicuously absent uh this friday doing some work she's actually john she's working really well i'm, that's, I'm that's, glad glad you made an honest woman out of her. <laughs> well <laughs> This from uh, yeah. the resident food critic, yeah. the curmudgeon at law, the one and only John Curtis. Curtis, the man who puts the ass in Curtis, yes. John, if people need more of you, where do they find it? I know we were talking about Twitter earlier. By the way, if you missed that part of the show, because I know Twitter's been in the news today. John, you're a prolific Twitter user. Twitterer. A Twitterer, <laughs> or as I put, I put it, you can't call people who use Twitter twits, right? Well, that's, so that's, that's better than calling them twats. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> Where do we find you on, on Twitter? Twitter? At Eating Las Vegas. At Eating Las Vegas. And I'm also on Instagram at John Curtis, one word, John Curtis, uh, C-U-R-T-A-S. But I, I think I do my best work on Twitter these days. And, I mean, I generally tweet almost every bite that goes into my mouth, every restaurant recommendation. I link to things I think are interesting about our food scene, my website, et cetera. But at Eating Las Vegas on Twitter, if you just want to keep up with me on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis to see where I've been, what I like, and what I like about it and whatnot. So that's where – and uh, and I, I, I encourage people to get on my Twitter feed. And I have a lot of followers. <laughs> Well, thanks for clarifying that part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say if anybody really wants to get an idea on it and, and they forgot what we talked about here on the show on yeah, Friday and they they need a quick idea of some, some fun place to go and eat that is not in their usual rut. Right. Go to your go to John's Twitter account, find him on there. Go through it. You know, you're not going to get – you're not going to have to go far yeah. to get a good spot here in town. And and you do eat – it's not all 
I don't want the, your look to be deceiving here. It's not all hoity-toity yeah. places. You eat at a lot of, you know, casual hole-in-the-wall places oh, yeah. that are fantastic, and we know this because it's one of the great things about living in Vegas is the enormous breadth well, of available food. Well, and and you know, I'm a Chinatown junkie, so I mean, I I I've, I I think I'm one of the first foodies to discover Chinatown. 25 years ago and I, i'm there all the time yeah but i'm always looking out for a good burger and a good taco as well as i am a big hoity-toity meal like you say when i moved here somebody told me by chinatown if people don't know this is up, up spring mountain yeah. and and so it's basically from the 15 going west yeah. uh, spring mountain until it's about know, a three mile stretch there two, you go yeah two miles of which are just crammed with restaurants and i, I, I somebody told me about it and said sam i go yeah no i've, I've driven three he goes you could eat at every restaurant once, you know, dinner, basically lunch and dinner, and you will you will need longer than a year to eat through oh, yeah. all those restaurants. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, over, it's well over 200 restaurants now. I mean, I eat there all the time. So back when I was doing my Eating Las Vegas book, I tried to get it down to a manageable 50 to 100 places that I think are really worth it, but there's well over 200 places to, to eat there now. And they're uh, something for every appetite, and they're they're not that expensive. You know what's interesting, and you mentioned, too, about D.C., about how there's a food renaissance there. I'll tell you something I noticed from my trip, in, 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 because I was in the Czech Republic uh, for two weeks, end of March to April, uh, got back on Monday, as I, as I mentioned, and I am so surprised by the by how global in nature the food renaissance is because i my parents have this apartment that was my my grandfather built the building and it's in a it's in a i mean it's in a nice part of town but not a nice part of town yeah. and it was always the kind of spot where you had pubs yeah with beer and typical czech food which right. is not stuff you would get excited about it's kind of like putting a lead brick at the bottom of your correct, stomach, right? you know uh, the classic <laughs> Czech meal is boiled pork, yeah, with dumplings, yeah, okay, Be either potato dumplings or or breaded dumplings, and sauerkraut, yeah, very very much like German and Alsace food. It yeah. is it is it's peasant food. Yeah. Is where we're working, you know, it's the fills food you up. fills you up and yeah. gives you energy and calories to yeah. go back out on the field and and work harder. Um, refinement is now, not in the vocabulary, but it is now. It is now, and yeah, this yeah. particular neighborhood uh, has now turned into a food scene. And I, 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 I am I, a place With gastro where, pubs and everything. Oh, right? Ever, yeah. There's a cocktail scene now. There's yeah, there's food yeah. scene, and and I, I I'm telling all my friends who have if you've been if you've been to Prague, you know it's beautiful. If if you if you haven't been, you're like John Curtis who who. We will have to convince the John visit. Curtis the Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you've been to Prague and you went to Prague 10 years ago and you loved it, you're going to love, love, love it now. Because what has happened in the last decade is nothing short of spectacular. I went, I had a friend invite me to a restaurant called El Camino. Now we're giving restaurant recommendations in, in, in Prague. Prague. And it is How esoteric the, is that? It is on, on the border of what used to be the working class neighborhood called Zhishkov. The working class, right on the border there. Nothing but boiled pork before, right? This was some of the best Catalan tapas food I had ever had. It was incredible. They are absolutely in the running for a Michelin star. I mean, they yeah. will have a Michelin star in five right. years, no and, doubt. And very polished with the service and everything. And everything was, yeah. in, and you know, when you, you have the— unthinkable 15 years ago. 
just yeah. inconceivable. Yeah. And certainly, when you th- maybe a restaurant like that certainly would exist in the old town, Prague One Center, yeah. kind of near, or maybe near Prague Castle or those embassies and that kind of thing, but certainly not out in the burbs. Yeah. What is not the burbs, but the you know the 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 neighborhoods where real people live, right. right? But that area is gentrified, and people's tastes are going up. So it's a lot of what we talk about here on the show is very local to Vegas. But what's fascinating is is that the revolution that's happening here is how it's happening elsewhere in the world. Oh yeah, it's happening in Japan, in China, and and in Germany. I first saw this. What you're talking about? The first inkling I saw of this was about a decade ago. I was in Munich, and uh, the the food revolution in America with the with the the Food Network and when it was celebrity chefs, it was a, was had been going on here for at least a decade then. But I went to Munich, which is used used to be beer halls and you know sauerkraut and fifteen kinds of sausage. I mean, I love this food, the noodles and the kraut. I mean, I love this stuff in Munich. And I've been to Munich before, and I noticed, well, there's like these little tiny little joints here with chefs, German young German kids doing sort of an international uh, cuisine or sort of using German uh, using. Spanish ingredients and sort of make making uh, you know their pork jowls not in the classic way but in a kind of a Spanish German way and and you I just saw this great uh, tr- uh, fusion of different foods with a younger crowd that was picking up on it the internationalization of food which I think is a good thing I think old fashioned food is good but you I started seeing this ten years ago and now you're right it's everywhere it's in South Africa Australia is is a hotbed of this kind of cooking too so that's to me that's great you can eat better. Almost anywhere. John Mariani, the great American re- restaurant writer, said he's been seeing it for 20 years. I used to not be able to get a good meal in uh, Pittsburgh or, or Memphis, Tennessee, if you weren't eating ribs. But now they have the same kind of uh, gentrification and really ambitious young cooks working. And I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I, I remember a few years ago going to Cleveland, Ohio, and being blown away by by the little restaurants that were popping up in that Tremont neighborhood and just stuff yeah. you would have not seen. Oh, Cleveland's a hotbed yeah. of food. I mean, yeah. and not not just not just the Seattle's, the Portland's, Denver. You name it, you can get. I was in Boise. Remember, that was in Boise a year ago. I was blown away by the food scene in Boise, friggin' Idaho. I mean, they had <laughs> wine bars. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you know, the best rainbow trout I've ever had was in Boise, Idaho. Who do you think here in Vegas right now? When you when, when I when I say, look, who's moving the needle in terms of creativity with food? Who, who, who comes? Great question. To, who comes to mind? That's the kind of question Ash usually asks me. Okay, well, I gotta I gotta step it up. I know John. you do. <laughs> you're listening to What's Right with Sam and No Ash and No Ash, or What's Wrong with Sam and John? Okay, <laughs> okay. I well, I think Brian Howard is pushing the needle. And where is he at? Brian has on Spring Mountain Road. He has one of the few uh, non-Asian restaurants, Sparrow and Wolf in Spring Mountain Road. So if you want to see a a creative chef who really uh, can play with his food better than almost anyone, Brian Howard at Sparrow and Wolf. That's the first guy I would go to right now. And and I also think Anima by Edo. We've talked about it before. Anima by Edo out in the the southwest part of town with uh, Francesco Decato and and Oscar uh, Amador has is doing some really fascinating food. I mean, trying to mix and uh, basically metaphorically mix Spanish and Italian food in some really creative ways. So those are two of my favorites right there. I I agree with you on both. In fact, I I I love both Uh, uh, Anima or Anima Anima or Anima Soul. 
Right, know. right. I just I always am struggling how to pronounce. Everyone pronounces it different. Same with EDO, which is the the comp, the yeah. the restaurant. That's, it's sister restaurant. It's original restaurant. Is it Edo? Do people say yeah. Edo? It should be uh, Oscar Edo. I, well, uh, that's his last name. Amador Edo is Oscar's last name. So it's Edo. Yeah, but Edo in Japanese is the Japanese word for Tokyo. Right. So, so it's right, kind right. of weird when they, they opened Edo in Chinatown like five, six years ago. And to a J- Japanese saying that, they're, they're thinking it says, it says Tokyo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and when they see all the when they see all the uh, the Serrano ham, Hamon Serrano's in the window, it kind of confuses them. But it, yeah, but it's uh, it's Edo. Edo. And it, it, Anima by Edo is, is one of our great new restaurants. And look, look it up. A N I M A. Anima. John, when we come back, I want to talk about your restaurant recs of where to go this weekend. All right. It's Friday. People are looking to make date plans tonight, tomorrow night, uh, maybe a late squeeze in on Sunday night. Uh, tell us where to go. All right. We've got to take a quick, uh, quick little time I'll out. I'll tell here. you where to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and how to get there. Uh, perfect. All right. That's what I get for the twit joke about Twitter. All right. What's right with Sam and Ash? News Talk 840, KXNT. What's right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840 KXNT, Food Friday, yes. With? Yeah, with? Food News You Can Use, (laughs) with John Curtis. Presented by. Presented by, yes. Uh, John Curtis, of course, being our resident food critic here on the program. Official food critic. Official. I've never been officially anything, so I'll I'll take what I can get (laughs) at this age. You're also the curmudgeon at law, because a lot of people don't know this, but you do... Have a day job. Yeah, well, I've been a lawyer for a long time, but it, over the last 20 years, m- many more people know me as a restaurant writer and food critic than they do as a lawyer, much to my accountant and my wife's chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I love this part of the program where usually toward the end of the show we get into uh, the rec- you know, restaurant wrecks, where to go for the weekend. I, and I, I think I am – not unlike a lot of people, in that I get into a rut of a handful of places that I go to over and over again. Boring. I know. No, it's it's a fact. And and I so I I love this. We started doing this because we want we want all of us to be more adventurous. Now we all can't be as adventurous as you, but you are adventurous so that we don't have to, and we don't have to go to places that are terrible. Right. I, I, I do all the vetting for you folks. That's what I'm here for. I've been doing this now since 1994, so I think I'm a little bit good at it. So <laughs> let me tell you a couple places. I, uh, first of all, I'm going to plug my, my website, uh, eatinglv.com, and uh, I've been writing that since uh, 2008. And on the website right now, I, t- I break down four of our best steakhouses, two newbies, Carver Steak and Harlow, and two oldie goldies that I love, Golden Steer and SW Steakhouse. And I compare and contrast these steaks. Uh, they're four of the best in town. But as I've told you during the break, Sam, you know, we have about two, 20 great steakhouses in this town that would be the best in any city in America that isn't Chicago or New York City. Uh, so I'll, I'll put our steakhouses up against anyone's. But I break down four of them there. And, and uh, a fifth one, which I went to uh, just yesterday that knocked me out, is Joe's in the forum shops, in the Caesars forum shops. And it's, it's very popular. It's one of four Joe's around the country. So I guess technically it's a chain. It's a very small chain associated with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Corporation. 
But Joe's has just wonderful food, and I had some halibut there I loved. And a buddy of mine I was with said, try the fried chicken. So we get a fried chicken, enough for a family of six. And it was really, really good fried chicken <laughs> at Joe's Steakhouse. They don't call it Joe's Stone Crab anymore, although you can still get stone crabs until May 15th. The, okay. the, the, the end of the season, it runs from the fall to the spring. The summer is when the crabs actually uh, regenerate their claws. And so the stone crabs are there until May. Okay, yeah. Just so like You that. know that? Stone crabs are one of the few animals you cut off their arms and it comes right back. If you, uh, that, that superhero guy can do the same thing, you know, that Ryan Ryan. That's what, that's what the cows do too for what? the steakhouses, right? They just regenerate. Yeah, well, that's, they just, that's they, just, they just remove the filet. No, yeah. Fortunately, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they have to kill magnificent fish to get caviar too, which I'm kind of sad about. But I still eat animals unapologetically. But I, but yes, uh, uh, <laughs> stone crabs you can eat guilt free. All the crab claws you want if you can afford to pay for them. All they're right. not cheap, but they're great at Joe's. So great chain steakhouse and Caesar's Forum if you can get there, and then Harlow Carver Steak, Golden Steer, and SW Steakhouse. Love it. All right. Anywhere else where people can go this weekend? Well, I mean, it's kind of a, an odd weekend. It's Easter Sunday. I mean, and, and I, I would advise not eating out on Easter Sunday because everybody goes out, you know, on Easter Sunday, like Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. But I'm, a place I'm real high on, I keep telling people to go, is Ada's Wine Bar. It is a great little restaurant over in Tivoli Village. It's small. It's personal. Have a small menu. It, it's reasonable. And it's not just a wine bar. It's a really cool little pub kind of at like wine bar atmosphere but you can go there and drink iced tea and just have good uh, hors d'oeuvres good charcuterie they always do a pasta or two it's a great place to take uh, people of all various likes and dislikes and in and, and menu likes and dislikes and you'll find something for everybody at ada's wine bar all right so love uh, it yeah and that's tivoli village a tivoli village and and that's i think really accessible for a lot of people it's a good good spot good spot easy yeah. to park and I, I i i love joe's i love all the places I, the steakhouses i was talking about but i'd probably avoid the strip this weekend it's going to be crazy with that korean boy band i can't i don't remember well and they're what. setting up for the draft too the nfl yeah, yeah the so. draft the boy band the strip for locals it's not a place to go this weekend no but now joe's stone crab for lunch always great yeah. love it love it anywhere else well, anywhere else? Uh, well, I've got some Mexican recommendations. If we yeah, still have some I do. Always good. Okay. People Which, by think, the way, I went to Europe, and that's the one thing over oh, there that is terrible. just, gosh, awful. Oh, oh, yeah, they, John, the Mexican food? Yeah. That What their concept of a burrito, uh, yeah. it's basically, it's like a roulade. Yeah. But but worse. Yeah. it's it's. It, I, I, I looked in a window at a, in Paris, France, <laughs> of a Mexican restaurant, and I saw the what the what just what the what the chips and salsa yeah. looked like, and yeah. it was pathetic. <laughs> no, I it, what I crave when I go to Europe, because now you can get great sushi, you can get yeah. obviously great Indian food, yeah. all sorts of ethnic food. Mexican food is what I crave when I go to Europe. So yeah. I'm. This actually would interest me. Where Where should we go? Two places, kind of off the beaten path. Mexican. Now get out your pencils, folks, or, or freeze frame the, uh, the 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 podcast here. Los Molcajetes. I love to talk like a like I know Spanish, which I do not. Los Molcajetes, a northeastern, really on the border of North Las Vegas and Las Vegas. Mole, mole, M-O-L-E-C-A-J-E-T-E-S. A mocajetes is that big uh, uh, 
pumice stone mm-hmm. uh, vessel that they use to pound garlic and, and, and guacamole in, but they serve entire meals for two people in these things. Wonderful, wonderful locally owned Mexican. A little closer to the main drag is La Vecindad, V-E-C-I-N-D-A-D. One word, Vecindad, V-E-C-I-N-D-A, in the commercial center. And it's another family-owned place in Commercial Center. And, boy, is there a lot of easy parking. It's very popular. I don't think a lot of uh, gringos know about it. But it's a go-to for really solid Mexican food, open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days, right in the Commercial Center on East Sahara. And uh, I don't go there enough. I mean, it's really, really good. I've, I've never had a bad meal there. And it always seems to fly under the radar. La Vicindad. La Vicindad. And two pl- out of, kind of off the beaten track places because not a lot of people go up to North Las Vegas, but that's where some of the best Mexican food is. All right. I'm starving now. Now I'm just really hungry. Yes. And, I've, and I've already had lunch, and it's Friday, and I'm going <laughs> to have dinner, and I'm starving. This is, this is the problem with it. So this, this show is not to be enjoyed on an empty stomach <laughs> because if, if, if it is, you'll be making reservations very quickly or getting in the car and driving somewhere. Yeah, I want to have everybody drooling, okay, <laughs> about food. <All> right. <laughs> do you have any, any cool – what do you do for Easter? Do you have any traditions? Well, you're, you're talking about the, the least religious Greek Orthodox guy <laughs> in the universe. Okay. <laughs> so we have a different Easter, too. So the Greek Easter is not for like a month or something. It, it comes well, so in, this is your pregame. This is pregame. So, yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I try to eat seasonally. So I, when I think Easter, I think lamb, spring vegetables, things like that, ramps. You know, there's all kinds of, so Greek restaurants, if you want to go to a great Greek, go to uh, Elia, which we talk about a lot on here. Yeah, uh, fabulous place. Yeah, yeah. Over there by the lakes, yeah, off of Sahara. There's Yasu up on, on, on West Charleston. Yeah, so a Greek and Easter seem to go together, you know, like uh, lamb and rice. <laughs> so. Yeah, and um, yes, uh, fantastic. I, I didn't have another one to add to it, so I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. John, this was fun. As Very always. good. Okay, uh, we missed Ashley, but we got through it, and I hope you all back it up and listen to some of my recommendations. And if you go, be, feel free. If you don't, if you like my recommendations, you're welcome. If you don't like them, send your complaints to Sam and Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. Okay. Uh, we're 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 always ready to receive those. Great. Well, hey, have a great weekend and happy Easter. And happy Easter. Bon appetit, everyone. Wonderful, and wishing everybody a wonderful, wonderful weekend. What's right with Sam and Ash? News Talk eight forty KXNT. 